0: Hello, Peter.
1: Hello, Jen.
0: Are you familiar with the musical Annie, The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow, etc.?
1: Familiar to have heard of it, but not of what happens within it. So, well, yes or no? that's okay,
0: because we'll be speaking about it on the periphery. The point is that when I was a youngster, the mm-hmm. person who wrote that show, Martin Charnin, was my boss, and I oh. was his assistant. And from him... I learned one of life's most important lessons. It's so simple. He summed it up in two words. Are you ready?
1: I'm so ready. This is such a big buildup.
0: Pay attention.
1: This is the long and the short of it. I do have to say real quick, I feel like half of our listeners are still shaking their fists like, how could he not have seen Annie? What is he talking about? How does he not know? (laughs) So, Apologies, all of you that are shaking your fists right now.
0: So sorry. So sorry. Okay. So Martin Charnon, may he rest in peace. And I were walking down the street one day during a torrential downpour in Mystic, Connecticut. I have no memory of why the heck we were in Mystic, Connecticut on a day when it was torrentially downpouring, but that is beside the point. We're walking down the street and all of a sudden he comes to a dead stop, does a slow pan to the left, looking over his left shoulder, and marches into a stationary store and blurts out, "Who is the set designer?" And this woman behind the counter was like, I design sets. And he says, I knew it. I saw that window display and I thought only a set designer could have come up with that. Whoa.
1: <laughs> okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: So anyway, there's more to that story, but that's for another day. So I say to him, Martin, how in the heck? Did that just happen? And he Mm -hmm. said, two words, Jennifer, pay attention. So after that, I started paying attention to him a lot more, trying to understand how he was seeing the world. And the truth is, he paid so much attention that he never missed anything. He never missed a beat. He was so hyper aware. I took that lesson in. I've been thinking about that a lot over the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. because I realized I hadn't been doing a very good job of paying attention to things that were right under my nose.
1: Mm. So, as always, I have so many reactions to this. Should I just throw them at you and we can pick which threads to pull? Sure. The first one, I'll work backwards. What you just said right at the end there, I feel like is every aha moment I've ever had. <laughs> Which is like when you have that aha moment, you start to realize in having said aha moment that it was right there all along. Like how could I not have seen? This is so obvious. Like really simple example for the listeners. When you and I started this podcast, you were talking about creating a podcast. I was talking about creating a podcast. We were lamenting how hard it is well, we don't really know where to start and <laughs> how am I going to stay motivated to do it myself. And then at some point you were like, oh, We should just do it together. And it was like that's right literally right under my nose. Yeah. As someone who's six foot seven and you were just down there. Like right there. And so I feel like that's really common with aha moments. So that was one thing I wrote down. Maybe we should start there. What do you think?
0: Well, it's making me think of A concept that we use in one of my movement classes, which is the concept of focus. And we talk Mm -hmm. about the difference between soft focus and sharp focus. Sharp focus meaning I'm looking at one thing at the expense of all other things, Mm -hmm. which in the podcast example, you were looking at making your podcast and I was looking at making my podcast at the expense of what was right there in front of us. Mm -hmm let's make a podcast together. Whereas soft focus is opening up your field of vision so that you are taking in all things at the expense of nothing. And that is what Martin Charnin was freaking brilliant at, opening up his peripheral vision so that he could see all of the things so that he didn't miss something because he was so focused on the one thing.
1: Oh, that's brilliant. In that distinction, I actually was thinking the former, the first thing that you described was a form of paying attention. Like sharp focuses, I'm so attentive to that one specific thing. So, in some ways, you could argue that's paying attention. But what you're saying is he was actually paying attention to like the broader, softer, larger scope of what was happening. Oh, I'm obsessed with that. I want that skill. I really want that skill.
0: Well, come to one of my classes and we'll help you develop it. (laughs) So- I don't know if this pulls on the thread you were just mentioning, but I know the listeners have heard me talk about this a lot over the recent weeks. We just opened up a new studio space, and my focus has been very sharp. It has been mm. very fixed on first, get the studio open, second, get people to come and take classes at the studio. That has yeah. been my focus. And finally, I don't even know what the impetus was to expand my vision, but I was like, oh my gosh, I have become so hyper-focused, so sharply focused on get people to register for classes that I just wasn't paying attention to any of the other cues I was Mm -hmm. getting from people. A bunch of potential collaborators reaching out and saying – Oh, I see you have the new studio space. We'd love to come by sometime. And my response was something like, well, I'm really busy with getting classes up, so let's talk in a couple of weeks. And I was like, no, what am I doing? It just kind of hit me between the eyes eventually that I had been paying so much focused attention that I wasn't actually paying attention to hmm. the cues that people, the universe, myself were giving.
1: Yeah. You raised such an interesting and tricky point though, which is how do we get clear in what to pay attention to? Because Mm -hmm. my goodness, there is no shortage of possible things to pay attention to. And I feel like it's so much easier to pay attention to what you would call low frequency bullshit. (laughs) Heard you say that before, like a social media. I borrowed that term.
0: I cannot claim coining that term, but I really like
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, like there's certain things that are easier to pay attention to than others. And so I'm like trying to grapple with, yes, I am totally on board with this idea of two words, pay attention as a superpower, especially in the way you've described it, like pay attention to the macro of what is happening so that you can see things that you can't see if you're super laser focused. And I'm like, how do I know the difference between that and just paying attention to how do I know if it's low frequency? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to unpack that in this moment.
0: Well, for me, it has come back to surprise, surprise, what is my why? Mm. Because teach classes is my what. Yeah. And I had become so what focused that ultimately my why is to unleash the creative genius Hmm. within all of us. And one of the ways I do that is by teaching classes, but another way is by connecting people from different industries to each other Mm. to see what happens when their ideas cross-pollinate. And that was a thing that I was completely missing. It's like people from outside my industry saying, like, hey, I see what's going on over there. I would love to get in on that. Me being like, I'm a little busy right now. No.
1: (laughs) Sorry. I'm teaching class.
0: And the other thing. Is something my friend Jasper Grant always says, and I can hear his voice right now echoing in my ears leave room for serendipity.
1: It's kind of wild that you say that. I've literally, I'm going to hold it up to the Zoom screen. Listeners can't see this, but I have- You wrote
0: serendipity and you circled it.
1: I have the word serendipity and I've been circling it for like two minutes. Like, Don't forget to bring up serendipity because I feel like what I'm super interested in is in the opening example that you gave was paying attention and leaving space for serendipity. How can we leave space to pay attention to serendipity or leave space for serendipity so that we can pay attention within that? I don't know which comes first, but- yeah, it's just it's wild that you bring up that from Jasper when I was sitting here underlining. I don't want to schedule and pay attention to every single moment of every single day. I want to leave room for serendipity, huh? Well, we
0: talked about this in an episode that we did about writing, which is the idea of seeing the world through project colored glasses. Hmm. Something that I learned from Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen. Apparently, I'm just dropping names today. I hope you can catch those as The box <laughs> as of goodies
1: will be full. It'll be a full box of goodies.
0: <laughs> and that's one of the things I was not doing. I was not seeing the world through studio-colored glasses. Mm. I wasn't looking at these emails that were coming in or these texts or these random run-ins on the street as, huh, how might these things intersect with each other? Instead, I went back to a very old habit, which you were one of the first people to try to break me of, which is I can't let my peas touch my carrots. (laughs) They've got to be separate on the plate. And you were basically like, can you mix it up? But I think because I was functioning in such a high stress and very finite timeline scenario, I reverted to... I'm compartmentalizing. I'm not looking at how other things might inform what I'm working on. So I really was not paying attention at all to anything other than what I had told myself was important to pay attention to.
1: Mm. Mm. This is really juicy. So I mentioned earlier that I wrote down like four different threads and one of them was the aha moment thread. The other three, I don't know if we need to go into all three of them, but one in particular I think is so relevant is I've wrote down mindfulness. Because any form of mindfulness training, meditation training, is an exercise in paying attention to Mm -hmm. either your breath or to a mantra or to the things that are going through your head. There is a myth that meditation is about quietening the mind, which it's not. It's actually about noticing and paying attention to what's going through Mm -hmm. the mind. And I think that is very specific to meditation and mindfulness, but is like that micro skill as it relates to that specific practice, being meditation is actually a macro skill of can you pay attention to the things surrounding you like Martin did in the example that you raised, like spotting the set design in the window. Like That is a form of, in my mind, mindfulness. He's like created space in his brain and room for serendipity to then pay attention to things that he is noticing and that are coming into his brain and then thinking, oh, wait, that thought just came into my brain. I just observed that. I'm paying attention as a result. And now I'm going to go over there and talk about it or ask about it. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, and I'm having the weirdest nostalgic aha moment in realizing that the only reason I ended up working with Martin Sharnan is because of his ability to notice and pay attention to things that other people would miss. Hmm. He came to observe a rehearsal for something I was in, and he stayed after to talk to me, and he said- you have very interesting ideas about this play, don't you? And I was like, I guess, I think I was 23 maybe. Mm -hmm. And so we started talking about the play and then he was like, I think you would maybe be useful as a part of this organization I'm on the board of. You want to come to a board meeting and see if there's a spot for you? (laughs) I'm like, okay. So we did that and then he was like, okay, I like how your brain works. Mm -hmm. Do you want to assist me? That's Mm. how that all happened. He heard me speaking to a director in a rehearsal that he wasn't even supposed to be at. I mean, that's talk about leaving room for serendipity, but also staying so open that you would hear something and then follow your impulse. Amazing.
1: Yeah. It's so amazing because I think the other... (laughs) I'm just trying to fit all of these dot points back into this conversation, but they fit. I promise they fit. (laughs) Because the other two things I wrote down were empathy and coaching, which... I think at the root of someone who is very empathetic is someone who is very good at paying attention and getting curious about what might be going on for that other person. I feel like in that example, Martin was practicing to some degree empathy to think about the board or the company or the ideas that may be beneficial to them to be paying attention to the things that you were saying and then be able to like fit that piece of the puzzle together. And then I think, you know, very closely related in terms of coaching, whether it's coaching an executive, a leader or a creative individual or an artist, something you do well, I've watched you do this is like one of your superpowers is to pay attention to what you're hearing, what you're observing, what you're getting from that person to either reflect it back or ask a question. All of this to say, I just feel like paying attention is, it's almost like the ultimate underlying skill and superpower of all of these things, of mindfulness, of coaching, of giving feedback, of being empathetic. It's just like, I don't know, I think you might be touching on something slightly magical.
0: Ooh, well, I like magic. So, there you go. Now that we've had this conversation, I'm realizing how important it is to draw the distinction between hyper-focused attention on a single thing and then heightened awareness Mm -hmm. of all the possibilities. And that's really what we're talking about. So in the coaching realm, part of it is getting over – what you think you need to say to a person because you think you know where they're about to go and instead staying open, paying attention to the cues and then responding to the possibilities as opposed to, oh, they started the sentence with this phrase that I've heard before. So I know what I'm going to say is X, Y, Z.
1: Yeah, I think that coaching is a great example of two people taking on the two different roles, whether they're conscious of it or not. One of the roles being the hard focus, which is the client or the person being coached. They're like, I'm so specifically focused on this challenge that I'm having. I have the blinkers on. I can't see anything else but this challenge. And the coach, by their nature, if they're good at what they do, is able to see the macro, see the bigger picture, ask questions that help them kind of remove those blinders and help them pay attention to the things that are in their periphery.
0: Ooh, yes. Whoa. I really like that. It's a good some, reminder.
1: Yeah, I guess the reason I share that, what I'm trying to tell our listeners and figure out for our listeners is how do we get clear in how to practice both? I think both are really important, right? We need to be able to specifically focus and pay attention to those very, very dialed in specific projects that we have to execute. And how do we also pay attention and make space for, you know, opening our frame, looking around, seeing the macro, like we've been talking about with Martin. One such way is to work with a coach, but like also there are a myriad of other different ways. It's just about, I think, first getting clear in that there's two kind of ways of paying attention, which I'm sure there's more, but like right now in that moment, I'm finding that really helpful.
0: Wow. Who knew today would be a trip down memory lane, thinking about the late Martin Charnin and all of the amazing lessons he taught me and now all of you. I know he's often remembered for The Sound Will Come Out Tomorrow, but... (laughs) Maybe he has a new legacy, which is pay attention.
1: And that is the long and the short of it.